This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. Not really happy with how we played the last few, um, but we're getting wins. So I, I think that's a credit to us is, you know, through 40 minutes to come in here, regroup after the second and say, hey, guys, like that's that's not us. You know, we're, we're winning the game, but we've got to lock it down here. Um, you know, I think our third period is by far our best period. And, um, you know, we're able to, to really just buckle down. And we know if we want to get to the ultimate goal, which we, we talk about in here, we've had since training camp as our goal, um, you're going to have to play, you know, some of the skilled teams. You're going to have to play some of the big physical veteran grindy teams. And, um, you know, I thought we've done a good job of that. But um, it's got to be a good lesson for us. Um, I think last year we learned, uh, you know, we were losing these games last year in the second half. We were finding a way to lose or, you know, letting that one goal go in or that really bad turnover at a certain time. So um, I think it's just, you know, credit to all the guys in this room here. You know, all four lines, um, all, all 60, you know, we're, we're understanding the situation. Um, and like you said, when we're not playing at our best, still finding a way. Not a perfect game by any means. Uh, Jim Toth last night is the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, beat the St. Louis Blues 4-2, but a real good effort. Uh, drove offense, s- good skating. Good goaltending. Great goaltending from Laurent Brassois, 36 saves uh, from him. Um, and it all around a pretty dang good game. Took, a, took care of their chances. I thought Joel Hofer made some real good saves. Uh, Winnipegger Joel Hofer in the net for the St. Louis Blues. Um, yeah, I thought it was a, a pretty dang good game for the Winnipeg Jets. It, it was a win, yeah. It's not a stellar performance, and they haven't opened the floodgates or anything, but um, I like the way they came back in the third and, and played that period compared to what they did against Arizona and Chicago. And I'm not going to you know, get too heavily into the, I've said it before this week, end of February, beginning of March, but there's a big game now looming on Thursday. But to take seven of eight and get another win against the St. Louis team that, as I said, St. Louis will give you a little bit more fight than Arizona or Chicago. And we saw how the team played and, and went to overtime with both those teams. So I, I like the way that um, they pushed back in the third and got the win. Uh, Kelly Moore, Jets pre and, pro, uh, pre and post game host here on 680 CJOB joining the show. Hey, Kelly, how are you? I am well, fellas. I am well. It's been a while. It's been a while. That's for sure. Um, it's been a minute, as the kids say. <laughs> as the kids say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Kelly, I got a metaphor for you, and we'll get into the game last night. Um, but I want to talk about you. I mean, you had uh, Gary Bettman, NHL commissioner, on uh, the show during the second intermission. And I, and I want to get your thoughts on this. This is this metaphor that I've created here. You have Father Chipman, who has given a reality check to the city of Winnipeg and the fan base and season ticket holders and the community and the business community and all that. And then yesterday in comes Mother Bettman telling everything, oh, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. How do you feel about that, Kelly? Well, it, uh, I think you're, uh, you're right on the mark with uh, the role uh, that each uh, of the uh, main components played there. Yeah, it, it's almost like a good cop, bad cop uh, yeah. type of scenario. Uh, but I think also, you know, I, I, I would defer to Mark Chipman because he is in this market all the time. And while Gary Bettman during that uh, conversation uh, said he was mystified uh, with the reaction of the community and, of course, to uh, an overzealous media uh, to the comments of Mark Chipman, well, it was Mark Chipman who said that himself. And, and so... I think that, uh, uh, you know, if people weren't prepared for the response that there was to those comments in that Friday edition of The Athletic, then I don't think they really have a, a firm pulse on this community. So, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm not here to, to badmouth the commissioner, 
because he has a job to do, and he does it extremely well. Uh, I, I love talking to him. It's uh, uh, like a, a little bit of a sword fight, but also you have to respect uh, the position that he is in, and uh, and so he's chosen to go that way. And quite frankly, I don't uh, I don't disagree with him. Uh, this is a much different scenario that we're talking about uh, than before. Uh, I think that the the problems that Mark Chipman has laid out are certainly solvable. Yeah, and I listen to your. <laughs> he said a sword match. That was, was good. Great. Was a great. I interview. listened to it, it in good. the second interview, Kelly. The the dueling. Um, and I agree with you. Like from Gary's perspective. This is a strong market, and he has faith in True North. And as Bill Daly said, model franchise, which had 32 of them, not in the situation they're in now, but just how they run things. Mm-hmm. And and I think mm-hmm. from the bigger picture, from their point, they're like, what's all the panic about? But they're not the ones sitting here. They're not the ones seeing the seats and wondering how they're going to go about getting more corporate sponsorships. So I, I don't want to say a disconnect. I just think it's two vastly different perspectives. Yeah, it's like Chip, Chipman's looking at the the numbers every single day. He's living, he's breathing it. And Gary Bettman is sort of from New in New York, looking back over here and confident that the Winnipeg Jets will figure this out maybe over the next couple of years. I mean, that's what I kind of read out of the whole situation. Okay, well, the, the one thing I will say about that, though, this, guys, is trust me, the National Hockey League, and especially Gary Bettman, are acutely aware of what goes on in each of the 32 markets uh, as it relates to the business side. Uh, so, uh, you know, they get their weekly reports uh, on the sales figures because that all, uh, you know, goes into hockey-related revenue uh, as part of the new CBA. So uh, please don't ever think for one minute that these guys aren't aware of what's going on in all of the markets, uh, even though that they operate out of New York. Having said that, though, you're right, guys. Uh, they're not out in the community. Uh, and they're not feeling this, but I still believe that, uh, you know, with the Winnipeg Jets and, and Mark Chipman in particular coming forward and owning up to the mistakes uh, that have been made uh, by their sales slash service department, they have to get way better at that uh, in order to, uh, to uh, reforge a relationship uh, with their fan base, which still uh, remains one of the best. I mean, all you have to do is travel anywhere, and you will see uh, Winnipeg Jets supporters. Uh, I think I was telling you guys this when when I was down in Mexico for a month. The little place that we stay at is just chock full of Winnipeggers, and all of them are sporting their uh, Jets paraphernalia very proudly. So you know they they haven't lost the fan base by any stretch of the imagination, but they have a lot of making up to do. Uh, and and so you know the fact that they've addressed that I think is uh, is the first step. And um, I wasn't uh, uh, as aware of this as others were that some uh, some of the corporate sector got left out because of the groundswell uh, of support uh, from the the grassroots or from uh, you know the, uh, the the average uh, hockey fan uh, when those tickets uh, season tickets went on sale back in 2011. Uh, so you know clearly. Uh, maybe there's, uh, you know, there's some business to be mined there, uh, but, uh, you know, the Jets are going to have to be a whole lot better on how they handle their clientele. And uh, uh, I think that's a part of the step uh, towards the solution here. I think that's the silver lining in this is you're having conversations that you probably should have had five years ago Yes, yeah. Um, on, on. on how to do, you know, how to treat your season ticket holders. And I'd say, Jim, you could even back that up to, to seven or eight years ago. Well, and that's what I want to say, Kelly. Like, I, I just 
personally think, and, and when, this when this the first tickets are up for this renewal doesn't have to do just years. with the Jets. This yeah. has to do with cell phone companies, with cable providers. I think if you've had a client for three to five years, you should check in on them every every two yeah. to three years. I, and I just, how you doing? What's what do you like? What do you don't like? And how can we do things that just those conversations? Um, but I, I, I do think that you know. It, it's it's ominous because when I had David Pagnotta on yesterday, he was great when he's looking at the trade deadline. It's now nine days away. And I said, what are you hearing about this? And he said, well, the rest of the hockey world is sitting there going, what's going on in Winnipeg? Because they mm-hmm. they're number one. Uh, winning percentage. They're they're well, number two. Number Florida's two, two percentage points ahead of them. Yeah. Two winning percentage. Top five team in the league. They just signed two of the biggest stars long term. Why aren't they selling tickets? Right. And mm-hmm. and the rest of the yeah. hockey world doesn't know interest rates, inflation, the downtown core, things like that. But um, it, it is something that that is. I love John Shannon's commentary this morning on the start when he said, "Why are we talking about this now?" Yeah, and, yeah. and I think we're talking about this now because there was a reach out to the corporate community probably a couple of months ago or in the summer that didn't go anywhere. That's why yeah. I think yeah. Mark wanted to talk about it now. Yeah, and the other part of that too is, I mean, the timing is still uh, not ideal. There, there's never any good timing for this, but in you know the heat of a, a playoff race and approaching uh, the most uh, exciting uh, time of the regular season uh, uh, does make it uh, a little head-scratching. But again, this is more about season tickets than it is game attendance. You know, I mean, it was 13,139, not bad. Uh, you know, but before it's been, uh, you know, consistently in the 14,000, so they've been well up over 90% uh, attendance capacity. But this is about the timing of when budgets, and again, it's a lot geared towards corporate, uh, uh, the corporate community guys, and you well know that budgets get set well in advance. So this is to get in on the ground floor before those budgets uh, get allocated elsewhere. I think that's all part of the timing too. But, you know, Rich could maybe delve into that a little bit more with Mark Chip uh, at four o'clock this afternoon. Four oh five. He's going to be on the news with Richard and Julie Kelly Moore, Jets pre and post game host uh, on the show. Uh, Kelly, thanks so much for popping on. Really appreciate it. It's been too long, guys. At my age, you never know when it'll be too late. <laughs> We're all day to day, but especially you, Kelly. So it'll be sooner. <laughs> it'll be sooner <laughs> rather than later. <laughs> I'm like Kenny Holland. I don't buy bananas anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm circling the Jets' days off, Kelly. I'll have you on the next one. <laughs> All right, buddy. Okay. Thanks, Kel. All right. Let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side. We're going to get into the game. 4-2 uh, win for the Winnipeg Jets. Second line working. You know, Perfetti doing good on the fourth line. My first thought of that was, well, he kind of better. Um, he, yeah. He's he down there. He's too good of a player for down there. So I think he's going to do Why, it. He's I'm not surprised to. he had a, Why, yeah. yeah, he's be better. I mean, it's in a position where yeah, man, he better perform on the, on the fourth line. So let's talk about that. When we come back as well, Lowry gets into another fight. You want a piece of me? You got it. I got some thoughts on that. We'll get into that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Well, speaking of Grapefruit League, Dunedin, the Toronto Blue Jays, Alec Manoa, the embattled uh, starting pitcher for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, didn't even finish with the Jays. He didn't even finish in the minors. He was supposed to report to the... Uh, their farm team in Buffalo, and he just California said, Penal League, where Ricky went, Vaughn came out of, <laughs> where he just said nah or whatever. I'm not sure what exactly happened, uh, but he had a bad start to spring yesterday. He hit three batters, 
I shouldn't laugh. Allowed three hits, four earned runs, as Toronto lost to Detroit in Lakeland, Florida yesterday afternoon, 6-4. Um, Slimmed down this summer, which, yeah, he remember, looks, he took yeah. offense to that guy saying, you might be a better pitcher if you got in better shape. Wow. Now he's gotten in better shape. Uh, I just think, Jim, like, in spring ball, you know, he might be working on something specific. He's working on a slider, working on his four-seam, whatever. I don't think you need to read too much in one start in spring. But if there was any guy in baseball that needed to go out there and have a real good first outing, start getting the confidence going, I think it was him. You can hit a guy in spring training to hit three? That's not very good. One and two-third innings? Um, we'll see where this goes. I'm, I'm, with, last you. I'm with you. I'll, I'll look at the seventh or sixth yeah. uh, appearance in spring training more than I will this one. But it just it was the worst possible. Like I said, if he hit one and had a little control, people would be like, uh, that's not a lot. And then he told the story of the day he was getting married, right before he's going to walk down the aisle, his dad grabbed him and said, you didn't get Otani. And he said it was depressing as I was walking down the aisle to get the news. And I'm like, why would why your dad would, tell you that? Well, first of all, why is your dad at his wedding doom scrolling Twitter to see if Otani's going to the Jays? One of the, like a Skylar Peters guy thinking uh, that he was on the plane. Slow roll there. You ever been to a wedding? They're, they're quite lengthy and boring. You, you never been to a wedding where you scrolled Twitter? No. Ever? No. We'll be right back. I haven't been to a wedding since Twitter came out, so I wouldn't know. But I would assume I would scroll it. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Let's get you back over to Jets at noon. Thank you very much, Skylar Peters. Thank you, Hollywood. You're welcome, gentlemen. On Didn't... the news run in the afternoon, he's Skylar Peters. On Jets at noon, he's Hollywood Peters. I, uh, I make that transition usually between 1230 and 1 o'clock, so... Yes, there's a transition there. Yeah. Take, the, take the jacket off, it's like sunglasses away. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone classic over the top. When but, he turns that hat around, he becomes a machine. Well, that's right. I mean, that's Raylers when he takes the shades off. Well, he just sits there at his, well, you just sit there at your desk with the dumbbell, just hitting 55s. Yeah. Back and forth. Ripping them. Ripping. Start with the hammer curl, then you go for the bicep, straight yeah. bicep. Yeah. Preacher curls too. Yeah. He gets and the preacher curls in right before the cast. Then I do like, three more going. buttons up on my dress shirts in between twelve thirty and one PM and get down to business. Takes the shark tooth necklace off. Yeah. Nah, I just throw it under the shirt. I thought those, were, I thought those uh those hookah shells. Whatever they are. Yeah. Put them away and becomes Skylar News Peterson. Respected hey. journalist. Thanks very much, Scott well, respect. Peters. You, you're giving anybody that term these days if you're telling me that. <laughs> uh, Winnipeg Jets winners over the St. Louis Blues uh, yesterday, 4-2 at Canada Life Center, 16-3-1 against the Central Division. Uh, they're absolutely owning them right now. Uh, Adam Lowry getting into a fight for the second straight game. Um, and uh, Adam Lowry, a couple of captains going at each other, Braden Shen and Adam Lowry. Uh, not really sure what happened. Uh, While well, I went and did my little outside research, Jim, as I like to, in Bally Sports Midwest uh, during the intermission, uh, here's what Shen had to say. I asked him to fight. I didn't even know he fought last game. I just like, I didn't like our start and obviously didn't like the previous game. So just trying to bring some emotion and energy to the team. And so we asked Lowry, they went, it was nothing more than that. No other, uh, nothing else had happened on the ice. Is it a good idea for Lowry to do something like that? 
is it more important for him to be out on the ice? Because he went right down the tunnel following that. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. I, I thought that was kind of what it was. Uh, I When they showed the replay and um, like Paul and Mitchell and were saying, I'm, I'm not sure where that came from or stuff. To me, it was obviously Braden Shen wanted to get his team going. They And I didn't know they had bad starts, but I think he asked Adam Wozni and Adam, or Adam, Adam Lowry, um, to go and and Adam Lowry is the guy who would do it for the Jets if the mm-hmm. Jets were zero and three, and they were playing the Minnesota Wild, and the game started and he needed to get a good spark out of his team. And Neil Pionk mentioned that in the post game on six eighty CGOB to say that, um, you know he that's what he does he gets it going. I don't have a problem with it. It. You know, it's um, – I get what you're saying about Lowry's pretty important, but I'll argue Braden Shen is a number one line guy on the St. Louis Blues and pretty important. And this texter here is on the exact thread that I'm on. Um, he said they scored while his line was out there when he was in the room. That was the thing that I thought of when I watched that because it was a little bit disjointed, um, the defense. There was um, some structural problems that led to that first goal. That was just that that thought popped in my head. It's like, ah, oh, you know, you want Adam Lowry out there. It's not going to just eliminate all the mistakes – um, yeah, but do you want, do you want fighting out of the game? Absolutely. There, absolutely last not a hundred percent. I don't last night's fight is what fights do. It turns momentum. It turns the tide. There's a guy in St. Louis who has team both last two games have not gotten off to a great start. And he decided to do what it does. He tried to build some momentum for his team. I guess you're asking, should Adam Lowry had said no, and just stayed on the ice and played the maybe, but Adam Lowry, like I said, is the guy mm. that when the Jets have lost four in a row and needs to get something going, or they go into Minnesota and something has to be taken care of or getting out of the way, he does it. So it's a mutual respect thing that, you know, I don't have to get our team going. We've won six of the last seven and blah, 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 but I will oblige here and, and, and vice versa, right? Like if you're asked and Lowry does it and takes it to Shen, yeah, home ice, Game started, out of the gate, there's your momentum for the Jets. And the Jets did get two pretty quick goals after that fight, too. So that's a situation. It's like, yeah, I'll say yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll take you down. I'll get the momentum going towards my team side, and you get two quick goals. And also, if it's a fourth liner coming up to Adam, I think Adam says no. Yeah, it's the captain. captain I think Adam goes, uh, sorry, I'm not going to help your team, or my my team doesn't need any help getting getting started. Set the tone, as you say in Shorzy. Set the tone, Someone's, boys. Who's going to set the tone? Somebody's got to set the tone. Um, the second line uh, yesterday with I follow Ehlers and Monaghan, creative, dynamic, um, in the right spots. I've come to over um, his first nine games in in Winnipeg, and I've I, when I was living in Calgary, Sean Monaghan was a big part of the Calgary Flames organization. I remember when um, – uh, uh, Brian Burke was the president of hockey ops there. And they were saying, well, who's, who's available? Who's, who's on the trading block here. And he said, there's only two names that I'm not trading. It's Mark Giordano and Sean Monaghan. And that was at the time. So I've, I've kind of seen him. It's, it's surprising how he's kind of grown in the league. And I have come to really respect where his game has matured. He was always a great hockey player um, with Calgary, but he, in his time with Montreal, when he's dealing with all um all the injuries and the issues that he was having with Montreal, he's really, really become a, a mature, well-rounded hockey player. Um, and he's just been, he's been fantastic since he joined the Winnipeg Jets. So 
when Monaghan left Calgary, I think Calgary shed the salary, but they also thought, here's a guy who's had a ton of surgeries and surgeries on hips and things like that. So I, I think they're like, he's not performing. Yeah. He's injured a lot and he's had some major surgeries. When you're talking, like, it's not a knee or a shoulder, no disrespect to those serious injuries, but hips are for a guy that you, you never know, right? Exactly. Um. So he, so they got rid of him. And um, I think what you're seeing right now, to be honest with you, is what you saw in Calgary when he was healthy. He's mm-hmm. finally healthy. And it takes a while. And we do this a lot with athletes, right? Like while well, he's been injured the last two or three we love, years. We love labeling athletes. People love labeling them as injury prone. They're so quick to, to just throw that at at, at, I at mean, athletes. Nick Ehlers, right? Yeah. Like everybody who thinks Nick Ehlers um, should be in the top line and top minutes and top power play and all this, I'm I'm not disputing that. But while Nick has been injured, other people have been doing that and doing it quite well. So um, it just I, I just think he's been sensational since he got here. But he was this good in Montreal this year, right? Like that's why they went out and got him. They traded for him and he was already the Jets' fourth highest scorer. Mm-hmm. When he arrived, yeah. just from the damage he did in Montreal. Hey, he was on a heater when he joined the team. So I, I really think that um, what you're seeing now is a guy who's finally healthy. And what, what why I bring up the hip stuff is, like, you go in an offseason and you train and you get ready. But if you're constantly recovering, I think he's finally fully recovered mm-hmm. with seasons. Like, I think yeah. that you go into a season, you aggravate something else. You got to recoup from the season, even if you weren't injured. But then this, I think you're finally seeing him healthy and back to where he was healthy in Calgary. Now, we're still about a less than a week and a half away from the trade deadline. This is not something that's going to happen until the summer. But would Sean Monaghan be a guy that you look at to re-sign? Well, first, in my mind, yes, for sure you would. Yeah. But in my mind, especially if he keeps building chemistry with Ehlers and stuff. Yeah. But in my mind, what is it going to cost and how long? Mm-hmm. And then, because you got Brendan Dillon and Dylan DeMello. So to me, it's a question of are, like, he's, what, making three or four? I'll find good. Anyway, but if you're, if you're going to re-sign him as a second-line center, he's going to want four to five. Right? Yeah. And then if any other team is watching him as a UFA and needs a second-line center, what do you think he could get on the open market? Well, he's right now he's at 1.985. Uh, was there any salary retention in that deal with no. Montreal? There wasn't. Okay, no. so he's just less than yeah, 2 million. Yeah, sorry. He signed low knowing that they were going to trade yeah. him. That was part of the deal, too, that we're going to trade you this year. Yeah. Um, so what's a second-line center go for? How many points does he have right now? He's well, a, since he joined the Jets, he's got seven points he, in nine games. He's going to have more, so... Um, I think you're looking at $5 million. Mm-hmm. Is it more important to keep a guy like Sean Monaghan if he wants to resign and Over. the money's on second line center? Uh, I'm not sure Cole Perfetti is going to be. I know that the team, they started off the season wanting him to move to that spot. Uh, he, you know, he had a, again, he had a, he had a much better game, but he, he better play really well on the fourth line uh, with his skill set. Um, so it's great to see him get some opportunities and make some good plays, uh, but that's what the Jets need to see from him. Is that more important than re-signing, bringing back a guy like Sean Monaghan than re-signing a Brendan Dillon or a Dylan DeMello? You can bridge Cole Perfetti. Yes. And especially if this is going the way it's going, you can bridge him for probably three per for two years. But you do have to make a decision. Is your second line center position more important than Dylan DeMello or Brendan Dillon? Mm-hmm. He's got 42 points right now in 58 games right now, Sean Monahan. To me, it's all about if he strikes lightning here with Ehlers on the second line 
And Perfetti, I think, eventually will go back up there by playoff time mm-hmm. or at least get a look during the last couple yeah. of games of the season. Um, I, I I don't know. Like, And then you look at your depth on D. I, it's tough, Cam. Like, the, <laughs> it's cap, tough. the cap's going to go up. Yes. So they have $4 million cap space, say, in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't forget that Connor Buck, Connor uh Connor Hellebuck and Mark Scheifler are going up four and a half yeah, collectively. Their money comes up, yeah, that's for sure. It certainly does. So I, I do think it's it's even if they want to, it's gonna be too you tough. You got a bridge, Cole Perfetti's making less than nine hundred right now, and that that's gonna be have to be dealt with. You still have Wheeler's two point seven five million uh still on the books, which you know, that's why you don't want to buy off a guy. That might be real crucial. Yeah. When you're I trying mean, to keep this team and it, you know, this is a big conversation. This last little bit, Jim, has been about this team spending to the salary cap and that the consistency and wanting to stay there. Um, so, yeah, and so now they're down to 1.2 cap space. Cole Perfetti looks like he's going to cash a couple bonuses, which they'll put hopefully put onto yeah. this cap and not next year. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's, I mean, your RFAs are Perfetti and Gustafson. It might be Gustafson who goes to, but those are guys that aren't going to cost you, right? If yeah. you want to keep What's Monahan and even one of Dylan or Demello, you gotta you gotta move on from somebody. See, that's why is it Alex Ifalo? I don't know. Mm, that's why uh, Deshaun Monahan was that first round pick. It was because yes. of the cap hit as well. You're paying for also the money that you're bringing on. Um, 204-780-6868. You know, I was watching that game, text the show, I was watching that game from Nick Ehlers yesterday, and he was flying, he's skating, and it's all that stuff that, you know, you hear from him. And that's what I think when people see Nick Ehlers play like he did yesterday, that's why people become so much behind him. And when he, what the you know, what he's able to bring to that line, and when he's he's skating around and he's shooting the puck and he's making these elite passes, that's what the Jets need from Nick Ehlers. That's what they need to see from him every single game. It's just capturing that consistency. Well, it was that dynamic in Chicago too, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody doesn't believe in Nick Ehlers. I think it's to a degree of what you believe and and things. I just, I'm honestly tired of talking about Nick Ehlers. Yeah. I, I really am. I, I just, we go around and around. We talked about it at the start of the year, and I said I got a lot of runway for Nick Ehlers this year. I really do. But this is a year he has to you know, do some things and, and, and um, stay healthy and, and contribute to the team. All the things we're talking about, if they go on a long playoff run, will be redundant because if they go on a long playoff run, it means all these pieces, Perfetti, Nick Ehlers, whatever, not nightly, but are contributing. He's got 41 points in 57 games and 18 goals. I think this is a really good season for him. Yeah. But he is on pace for what he career does, 60 points a year. And I'm not all in on the idea of more ice time. And I think he could use some more ice time, but not to the tune of 20 minutes a night. This texture says, uh, check Ehlers' playoff stats. And in over 32 games, he's got 12 points of four goals. He had, he had kind of a bad run of luck there where he was heading into the playoffs, dealing with some serious injuries. He's always been banged up. Yeah, and so I'm not going to read too much into that, um, into that stat, but I appreciate the text message. 204-780-6868. Dom says, need to sign him. Uh, speaking about Sean Monahan, he had so much of the power play and PK, face-offs, second-line center, three years, five million bucks. Carl and Neil both um, uh, both both jump on uh, uh, and say, uh, Carl says need to get Schmidt off the books and and his uh, five point 
$1.95 million next season. Is there a replacement for him if on the right side? If you get off the books, it's taken up by Connor Hellebuck and yeah. uh, Mark Shifley. Yeah, and then you have maybe an extra mil and a half left after and that. And you're going to bridge, you have to bridge Perfetti. Which so is, it's, it's going to, well, yeah. And then it's how much is the cap going to go up? We'll wait and see, but it's going to be tight. It's going to be real but tight. But to me, it's about your depth, right? Like if you think Villa yeah. Hainola is ready, I'm, you got to move on from Dylan DeMello or Brendan Dillon. Yeah. Neil uh, says trade Appleton and put Iafalo up there. Sign Monahan and get, I don't know why Neil doesn't like Appleton. Um, has it been There's a lot enough? of people are upset that Appleton hasn't contributed consistently since his hot start. Uh, you know, okay, maybe offense. But to but, me, but, Apple, Appleton had what it, what he had in the first twenty five games. Appleton's not a fifty point guy. In my I mind. don't Sorry. understand this Appleton thing. I he's don't get it. He's a great it. penalty killer. He's he grinds. I've he's been, been snake bitten, but he had a hotter start than I just don't how, look at him how? and go, "There's a fifty point guy." I look at him as a great third liner, a great penalty killer. And, and if he can score 35 to 40 points a year, that's great. I think that's what you want from him. Let's take a break. Let's come back. And he's been a part of, of, of the line with Adam Lowry and Nino Niederreiter. And those guys have been shutting down. Sean shutting Mon- down the other team's best lines. Sean he's Monahan- a great defensive defensive forward. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Uh, Sean Monaghan's going to be 30 years old. A three-year deal at $5 million might not do it because I think somebody will give him a four- or five-year deal. If he keeps playing the way that he is right now with the Jets, he might get more. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Just a reminder, coming up after 4 o'clock, Mark Chipman, chairman of the Winnipeg Jets, will be joining the news with Richard and Julie right after 4 o'clock. And I will have some Bettman comments for you if you missed it yesterday, right at 1 o'clock when the Jim Tolt Show starts. And at one fifteen, I'm going to open the phones again. And I know we've talked about this a lot, probably too much, but I would just like to get your thoughts, the listeners, the, the ticket buyers, season ticket holders or not, on what you heard from Bettman and how you feel about it all now. So we'll do that at 115 with your calls. Yeah, 204-780-6868. This texter says, how do you have uh, Dylan in the conversation in terms of what do you do at the end of this season? I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but Sean Monahan has been real dynamic, and he might be a piece of this team. The Jets are not rebuilding. They're going to need a second-line center. Is Perfetti ready? Um are the Jets going to look to wrap up you Dylan DeMello and Brendan Dillon? Or are they going to try to say, oh, no, we need to keep a second-line center? I love Brendan Dillon. I know so the organization I. does. I know they don't want him to leave. I know that. But I look at you have to go in a cap world from your strengths. Can um, Dylan Sandberg, is he not the next Brendan Dillon for this team? Mm-hmm. Who's your second line center next year? There's going to be changes. There always are, Jim Toth, every time. And but let's talk about that next year. We'll talk about that in the summertime when we have, well, we're, we're, after we celebrate a Stanley Cup here in Winnipeg. We won't have much time to talk about it with the parade and everything. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jeffrey Fortier, for producing the show. Jim Toth will take you all the way until 3 o'clock. Thanks so much. Be back same time tomorrow. See ya. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.